Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Welcome to Season 31, Episode 8 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Adam. <laughs> and in today's episode, Steve and SoCal asks about gender roles in fictional species and, so- and societies. Sean from Washington, D.C. asks if there is a universal way to learn to GM. And Rose asks if we have a white whale system that we've always wanted to try. And... Uh, if you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. For December, we have our Indie Designer of the Month, which is Nura Rose, the owner of Monkey's Paw Games. She's a black, queer, trans, neurodivergent designer, and her work can be found at monkeyspawgames.com, along with an amazing collection of other indie games that she kind of sells for other people. Uh, the game we're going to feature this week is called Chainmail. And it is designed to be played through the written mail. Um, however, oh. you can also, you know, it would translate well to email and probably play by post and things like that, too. Um, and it is a lightweight D20 and D6 system where you want to roll under a TN for stamina, skill, or luck. One person is the chronicler and controls the worlds and all the perils in it. And um, the others choose from 36 different character backgrounds. And the, 30, the character backgrounds are actually very funny mm-hmm. and honestly, like, could be great for inspiring character concepts in other games or good to, like, print out as a GM because there's just, like, a little, yeah. like, blurb paragraph about each one that could be really useful um, if you wanted to, like, make NPCs on the fly or something like that. Yeah. So they're, they're very cool. <laughs> they were also very witty and, like, low-key, or not so low-key, like, yeah. roasting different tropes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of them is the Moral Crusader. Where it's like, there's a little bit of demon in every young adult book. And maybe they're not thinking of the children, but you are. And stuff like that. So it's very, yeah, it's it's very good and very on the nose. It's nice. like, oh, I get it. Okay, cool. That's good. I get it. I see what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, so check that out at monkeyspawgames.com. There's an itch.io shop, a bunch of cool stuff. And they are fantastic. And we're coming up on awesome. January. We have yeah. another designer. Yeah. Be really yeah. cool. Are they already lined up? Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. Yay. Very cool. All right. This has been a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. It's nice to see every yeah. month. And it's really fun to spend time like going through people's like catalogs of games they've created yeah. and really yeah. diving in and being, oh, what's that one? Oh, what's yeah. that one? Because some of them, like, we all have one or two games that we're kind of like known for. Right. But yeah. really diving in and seeing how many different games a lot of people have designed is, is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of a lot of times when indie game designers come out with their first game that really hits it big, yeah. uh, you know, uh, like people don't realize that they wrote a whole lot of games to get to the point where they got that one. Yeah, uh, you know? for the most part. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. a lot of them did like adventures for years before they ever right. tried designing a game of their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Would you like to read our first email? I would. Oh, wise and inclusive jackers of happiness. Well, that sounds a little dirty. Um, (laughs) As a community which values inclusiveness and care around sensitive and problematic subjects, I'm curious about when you explore 
sometimes problematic subjects via gaming. In this case, I'm going to treat pre-game conversations as already addressed, yeah. but please feel free to take a moment to discuss safety tools such as lines and veils, X-card, and others. Instead, I'd like to focus on some of the topics which I've come across as interesting to explore and would be interested in hearing your thoughts on some that you have. One example that I've been interested to explore is the different gendered Aslan languages in Traveler. For those unfamiliar, my loose understanding is that the Aslan, space lions, have different languages between their male and female cast, which tie back to traditional gender roles where one is a more technical language while the other is focused more focused on hunter-warrior assumptions. I think an example was brought up years ago by Bill where a fun quirk of a starship might be that you had to work around odd linguistic assumptions related to this kind of thing. I i.e. the button for attack might be labeled pounce and the stealth functions might be stalk, but then when you get to the actual code of the system, it's following a different logic. While I find this to be an interesting logical exercise, I recognize that this may open some potentially contentious discussions around gender roles, societal oppression, etc. Another example along similar lines, albeit in visual media instead of gaming, is that most of the current House of Dragons series seems to be an examination of the plight of noble women in medieval society. While I'm perfectly fine with making most games of D&D or equivalent in a more ideal and egalitarian world where that struggle isn't highlighted, I feel like this could be a valid struggle to address in some instances. While the recent Erica Odd horror story was abhorrent and done very poorly by the GM, I can envision a more thoughtful game where Perhaps the player's patron uh, is a noble daughter fighting to ensure the legitimacy of her claim to a typically patriarchal throne, or the player's helping or hindering some NPC's political marriage plans. A different example which has been raised is the problematic history of the half-orc. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not proposing poking those beasts as a regular feature of games, but are there examples of similar topics that you feel have been addressed well in your gaming experience and or examples that have gone poorly? I never intend to be a tourist in someone else's struggles, but also don't want to exclude all potentially sensitive topics, especially since some are both interesting to consider and potential opportunities for us to all grow in our understanding. Thoughtfully yours, Steve in SoCal. Oh, wow. <laughs> is that really, it's a really good topic. It actually. is a really good topic. Mm. Um, I think it's, in, uh, this is a great example um, from Traveler, the Aslan. I've never actually like had one of these in one of the, the Traveler games that I've, yeah. I've played. I think maybe they had one one time, but I don't, or they weren't like a big yeah. NPC or anything. Um, something to keep in mind with that specific example is Traveler's kind of an old system. Right, yeah. Um, so there are a lot of these things that kind of were designed before, especially the gaming community became more aware mm -hmm. of you know, different identities and things like that. Um, and it's definitely always, like, good to kind of reflect on it. Now, I, I'm i not super bo bothered by the Aslan one specifically because they're, like, space lions. Right, yeah. They are not, <laughs> like, uh, they're, they're not allegory. I mean, they're maybe they are. I don't, I don't know enough about them specifically. But yeah. they're not, like, uh, uh, a veiled, like, reference to actual human societies right. or, or cultures or things like that. It's, like... Space lions. Yeah. <laughs> right. They hunt people. Yeah. They are lions in space. Right. So there's not like, I mean, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe like if you dig, dig into them, maybe that they, they have been like used like, like oh, people I'm sure. of color yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But maybe they're just lions in space. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting to, uh, to break that down because I think it is interesting to, when you consider the roles of, um, of different animals. Yeah. Because... It, like, 
in in science in in the world, lots of different animals have like a, a, a myriad of genders and transitions yeah. and things like that. But they also have very rigid roles for right. different genders. So yeah. while you are like female, you have a certain coloration for mm-hmm. very specific reasons. You know because you, they don't want you to be flashy and they want yeah. you to sit on the eggs and raise the right, young yeah. or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the male is very, you know, Attract flamboyant and bright colored so yeah. that they can attract. So there are very rigid, you know, r- roles for yeah. different genders in... in, in a in, lot of biology. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of biology yeah. too. So I think that's an interesting concept to play on. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I, uh, I mean, I, I don't really know the Aslan and, and I haven't read those, those parts of Traveler, but, uh, but I, I do, I am more comforted by the fact that it's separating between the technical skills and the, uh, the hunter skills, yeah. which, you know, I assume the hunter warriors are the female characters because that's how the, it is in in lion right, society. Right, in lion society. Yeah. So and it's a million bucks at that. It's uh, backwards. It's probably <laughs> it's probably backwards just like all the alpha males think like alpha wolves are like badasses. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Know, right? I would love that a lion space right. society where it's like all the badass buff lionesses. Right. Yeah. And like all the like, like nerdy all little nerd- lions yeah. with like their manes and like right? their pocket yeah. protectors like doing coding. Right. Oh my god! I love it so much. Right. Oh, I hope that's how it is. Somebody, somebody. Gonna, I have to go Google yeah. this at some point. Right? Now. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to look into this. Further study required. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I think like you uh, were talking about with um, the roles. What you know? What are the roles that are happening here? Because you know, the the temptation I think is to we're going to explore gender bias in our stories right mm-hmm. so so uh, women are oppressed mm-hmm. and uh and uh, what? Uh, yeah we are what yeah yeah and you know and it's like well let's let's recreate this uh, this typical like western society western human society where women are oppressed and forced into homemaking and treated as property etc and men are the warriors and the leaders and you know and do all the things and you know which is uh, you're not breaking any ground there you're not gonna break any ground there you're either you're either confirming bias of of mostly men who already have that uh, that ingrained uh you know gender discrimination uh, you know or you're confirming the bias of uh, of people who are actively playing against that as a way to play against it and and fight it right so like if you want to you know like in this example of uh, you know like a, a noble daughter fighting to uh, fighting for her claim to the mm-hmm. to the title, um, it, you know, there's there's such a that's not a you're not going to break any ground with that story. You, nobody's going to learn anything new because either everybody thinks that this was okay and it's and it's not something we need to worry about, or everybody thinks that this is not okay and and we're all going to work, we're all going to come up with the story together that proves how it's not okay, yeah. right? So, so it's it's just not a very challenging thought experiment. Uh, you know, more challenging thought experiments would be to break up roles uh, that are in ways that are different from how our American modern society thinks of it, or even how you know Western European history has thought about it. Yeah, and so that's why I think like you know the the women as the warriors and the the men as the as the technical people. That's an interesting way to explore gender uh gender uh differences yeah absolutely and 
like flipping it on its head, and it, and then you're actually exploring it. Mm-hmm. You're not just like exploiting it, right? Because the inevitable thing that generally tends to happen with these like quote women empowerment stories, where there's like the daughter of a nobleman that is the yeah. you know in charge of the party, yeah. Except the party's going out and doing all the stuff for her, right? So yeah. it ends up being unless you are working really hard at it. Um, right. You know, it ends up being kind of like the the princess in a tower where yeah, she sends yeah. you out to do a thing and you do it for her because you're her heroes. Right. Yeah. And so it's not really empowering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The story is still just happening to her. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, maybe she has some agency in the fact that she's taking specific actions for her own interests but but you're not you're not challenging any preconceived notions right. of of gender roles right exactly so, yeah and yeah and i mean there were a, a ton of criticisms of house of dragon uh-huh. um and the way they've you know they they've been treating the the women characters yeah. and the way George R. R. Martin always treats his women right. characters yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah it, it's like every, like it, it it was very upsetting to see. Like I had no interest in watching the show. Yeah. Um, especially after how Game of Thrones ended. Right. But like just hearing it and having gone, you know, given birth since you know the last Game of Thrones yeah. aired yeah. and stuff like that. There was so much trauma involved with you know um, like maternal death and yeah. you know and gruesome ways. Like the most gruesome late death. You know, during a birth process that you could possibly have in multiple versions. Yeah. Like, it happens to multiple women Uh, in the series, in the one season. Uh, Of course it does. Yeah, and it's just like, and and it's it's so frustrating as a woman because that's something that at no point, it's hard to, like, really articulate because... In these stories, uh, that's like the role of women in these yeah. like pseudo, you know, copied from you know medieval fantasy stories. Um, it's like that's their job, right? So while it's a not a, usually used as like a cheap ploy to like pull on the uh, emotions of mm-hmm. the audience yeah. and to cause drama and to be oh this awful thing, it's the worst thing you can think of. Like there's just always this undercurrent of like a failure at the one yes. thing you were supposed to do. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, so she's gone now. So and then inevitably there's like a replacement. And right. yeah. it's more of a thing that happens to the male protagonists in the uh-huh. story than really being about the woman and or her child. I- exactly. So yeah. like yeah. very rarely is it actually about the the woman or the person who's giving birth, it's about how it affects the male characters around her right. or how it affects the child who je- will probably end up being a male yeah. character. <laughs> right. Oh, you lost your mom. So yeah. that's like how we get right. the, you know the audience to empathize yeah. with you. Yeah. And so it's it's just awful when something that is that scary and people go through it all the time. Uh-huh. Like it's it's a scary traumatic thing yeah. to go through. And a lot of women have like very real trauma from giving yeah. birth. I was very lucky. I had a very good experience. But like having that used for like I don't know, just as a as a as a tool so, for for yeah. you know a, for a dramatic moment yeah. is just very frustrating yeah. and upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like emotional sport. You yeah. know, it's it's like uh, hunting for emotional sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it, yeah, it, it's like, it, yeah, I want to, I want to shoot a deer just to show, you know, how strong an orphan baby deer can be. Right. You know, or, you know, like well, and, Bambi, and, Dumbo, and, both. Like, you yeah. know, let's exploit the mother in order to uh, create a story about uh, the little boy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and while that can be part of a person's story, like graphically, yeah. like it's incredibly graphic showing yeah. it. In that way, yeah, is just it just seems like a cheap like ratings grab or, uh, or yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's got, like um, uh, well, uh, I won't get off on a tangent, but it's like violence on the boys. You know, yeah. it's it's now to the point where they're being violent and showing gore just to be more shocking than the previous episode, mm-hmm. so that their ratings continue to climb. Yeah, and, and it's it's still yeah. nowhere near the boys comic, <laughs> right? Just nowhere near. Yeah, the boys comic, <laughs> so yeah. bad. Yeah, um, you know, I the I, one. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Um, I think a. Uh, I, I think one of the places where you no, see... No, wait, I'm going to stop you oh, for just a second. Uh-huh. Just like you were talking about how um, Dumbo is like... Yeah, so, yeah. Because we live in L.A., yeah. I gave birth uh, at a hospital that's very near Disney Studios, and Disney, like, sponsored the maternity oh. ward. Literally all over the wall, everything was Dumbo-themed. Oh, no. I was, like, walking. Yes. I was like, did nobody, nobody watch this movie? <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? Like, it's, like, really pretty. It's, like, the actual original cells uh, from the yeah, movie or yeah. whatever. So it's really pretty and nice. Oh, and you're just, like, sweet. little yeah. elephant with, like, a diaper on. And I'm just, like, yeah. oh, my God, honey, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's, like, sorry. Oh, God. It's still one of the most traumatic scenes in all of film. So upsetting. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. Um, so I was going to say, one of the things, places, I think, where you see much better um, uh, use of this kind of thing is in Star Trek. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, and Star Trek has a lot of you know not not the original series. No, no. They they didn't do such a great job. Um, although they did for the time, yeah. they broke a lot of ground on, on dispelling uh, you know gender roles, racial yes, roles, etc. Um, but but especially in in some of the later series, they do a really good job of um, of exploring these kinds of social issues, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that that forces you to re-examine them in new ways. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to be the same. And, you know, and like one of the things they did with, with uh, childbirth was waking, making a male character pregnant, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, but, and, like Deanna's, tro- like I was super pregnant. I was like oh, eight yeah. and a half months pregnant and I'm watching uh-huh. this episode, with Deanna Troy giving birth in like two minutes oh. painlessly. Yeah. But in like, this weird futuristic <laughs> right. metal chair. I was like, they, they still haven't come up with a better way than just like know, lay down right? and push. I know, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Can't you just transport it out? Like, <laughs> like, I feel like they should have a better yeah. solution at this point. Right. Although yeah, it was but, like magic yeah. alien baby. So it was like, right. oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I gave yeah. birth in like oh. 10 seconds. And it was right. perfect. Yeah. I was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bitter about this right now. But, but they right. did a good job with it, yes. And yeah. one of the things, like, linking to what you were saying earlier, one of the mm. things they do is just have the assumption of this is how it is. Right. Like, women are in command roles. Yeah. You know, people of color, all you know, all over the place. And mm-hmm. there, there's not a, by not making an issue of it, yeah. and by having it as a uni- universally accepted norm in the world, yeah. is often, some, often more powerful than playing out, right. uh, oh, what... A person of color can be like n- the number one. Like that's amazing. <laughs> right, yeah. Like by just having it 
as the norm, you help normalize it. Yeah, yeah, just just showing it. And so, so yeah, if you really want to explore these issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I think just just having just have uh, well. If you want to explore these issues in a game, you talked about, yes, of course, you have those pregame discussions. Mm -hmm. But everybody kind of should go in knowing like, hey, you know what? We're going to play with this issue. And and we did that recently with um, with uh, Hexbreakers and, you know, dealing with trans issues. And and uh, Emily wanted to specifically do that. And, And let's let's take this, you know, let's parody this property that has become a symbol of uh, of anti-transness yeah and and let's let's play around that world and make it uh pro-trans yeah and uh, you know and that's and so we and we all kind of knew that 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 was one of the themes we were going to explore yeah and we talked about it very specifically ahead of time And we wanted to make sure that everyone was comfortable with that. Yeah. Specifically, Riley and Emily. Right, Since yeah, they've yeah. lived that as their truth. Yes. Like, having other people play with that, you know, it takes a very safe table of, yeah. you know, a clear understanding and, yeah. you know, and safety tools for them to allow us in that story with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and not to center myself, but I got a... I, I felt like I grew a lot in terms of my own journey about gender identity yeah. and, you know, and uh, it, from that game, yeah. it, it it gave me a lot of insight into like, oh, these are some of the things revolved around gender that I have been holding on to that I don't need to hold on to anymore. Yeah. And it was absolutely. very, it, it, but we, it, that happened because we set out to tell that story. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, so, uh, so that's, that's what I would say on this is like, you know, find, don't fall into tropes of like, oh, we've got to explore this by doing what's already been done through history. Yeah. I think that's where you run into a trap. Uh, you know, I think that's where George R. R. Martin does. I was sad to hear you say that Game of Thrones ended. I'm still waiting on season five. I thought, you know, I know, right? Yeah, it's, I just <laughs> think they should have like season four was so good. They should have like kept going. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, but no, um, that's the trap you fall into if you just try to like let's play in the world that mm-hmm. we already know, right? Um, whether it's you know, whether it's the actual world we already know or just based on the world we already know. You're not learning anything new. Right. And it no. happens with a lot of authors, even who, yeah. like, I, I honestly don't think George R. R. Martin gives a damn about his representation of women. Like, <laughs> what should we first right, do? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I feel like there's a lot of authors out there who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And I don't want to, like, name and shame because I think they're yeah. trying to do the right thing. Um, but, like, they end up still writing in a in kind of a tropey way yeah or they write this is the strong female character who's not the the expected uh-huh and it ends up being kind of like okay but now she's like the special exception uh-huh yeah who then implies by her very existence that all other women are this other thing right so it's yeah. it's just a, a really hard thing to play with without really really thinking it through yeah and when you are, and you have to kind of think about your group. If you are going to have everyone in your group play a woman mm-hmm. or a trans person or something like that, like that could be a way to have everyone empowered. Yeah. And you don't even have to make it a thing where they are, it's not expected that right. they can do stuff. Yeah. Like have them yeah. just put themselves in the role of those people doing cool, empowering things. Yeah. And yeah. like don't even make it an issue like, oh, like these 
four women are traveling together. What? Right? Yeah. You know, this is a medieval society. You should be riding side <laughs> saddle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's like, 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 don't worry about making that part of the story. Now, there right. are some games where that's very much a part of the story. Yeah. So like Night Witches is a really great example. I was going to bring up Night Witches. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Night Witches is about... Um, it actually a historical group of women that were part of the Russian army during World War II. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, I guess Air Force, I guess. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they, so they were called the Night Witches. Um, and they basically, they flew night missions that were incredibly deadly and mm-hmm. dangerous um, and great, very, very effective. They're incredible fighter pilots. And um, it, it gender is a very specific part of that game. Yeah. Exploring it. Um, the The actual challenges these women faced. It's one of the agenda items, or not agenda, it's one of the, the things that the GM is cued to do if when they read the, the rule book. Yeah. It's like, hey, make make gender a thing. Like these right, yeah. women of their time were breaking all these barriers and doing these amazing things. Mm-hmm. So by stepping into their shoes and embodying that, you are kind of acknowledging that, but it's designed for them to have pushback against that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to explore these themes, it's sometimes a good idea to go out and look for games that specifically do that. Yeah. Uh, and the other one that I was going to mention, um, and I'm, I'm trying to look up the, the name of it now, it, um, but it's an Avery McDonald no. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, Dream dream, uh, dream Askew. Yeah. Um, it, you know, which is specifically specifically queer focused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it, it invites you to take queerness and the issues around that and, and play with that as part of your game. Um, and, and I think that's what makes night, Witch is so strong a way to, uh, to really, to really examine gender roles mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're not saying like, Oh, we have to go into this direction yet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but by, by sheer fact of being in, uh, you know, being in that setting, there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's, you can't, uh, when you're playing in that setting, you can't not uh, address gender uh, yeah. discrimination. Right. And, you know. And, well, and, and by playing, you are already defying the gender. Yeah, exactly. Like, you are yeah. not, you know, you're not expected to like save the, the, the princess in the tower right. and make her feel empowered that way. It's like, you're a already empowered woman yeah. doing these badass things. Yeah. How does that affect you as a person? Yeah, absolutely. So you're starting from a much, like, already, like, way above, like, zero. Right, With, yeah. <laughs> with that examination. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I would also I would also mention a couple uh, that are, are racially centered, like Coyote and Crow, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which forces you to imagine a, uh, a fantasy slash sci-fi um, world where colonization of the North American continent or the American continents didn't happen. Yeah. And so, you know, so it, and, uh, you know, it does some really interesting things like, uh, like just the maps show North at the bottom mm-hmm. and, you know, and things like that, that just like remind you like, Hey, these things just didn't happen. Like, you know, um, it, you know, like a society that discovered gravity control in like the 1700s will not invent the wheel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just things like that, 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 and I just love just reading the setting materials just mm-hmm. kind of, uh, reframes the whole idea of what you think of as the past, the present and the future, mm-hmm. um, it from a different light. And so, so yeah, I think that's, it, there are, there are so many ways to explore social issues without just wallowing in the 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 
like patheticness of what has already happened. Yeah, without right? without starting. Yeah. From a ne- already negative place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that would be, and like we already yeah. kind of talked about. It. I just want to make sure we answered the actual question. Yes. I, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, so, it but yeah, we do. talked about uh, some of yeah. the gaming experiences, examples yeah. that have gone well, and then. Yeah. Have gone poorly. I feel like we talked, okay. like, there's so many examples. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's so many examples. So many. And, like, luckily we have a good gaming group, so, like, right. I don't have a lot of personal examples from this gaming group. Yeah, yeah. But there's always, and especially, yeah. like, at con games and stuff like this, this is one of oh, the yeah. reasons I started wanting to GM more at cons, mm-hmm. rather than signing up for games with people I didn't know. Yeah. Because it's always, like, you set them out, and it's, like, the pre-made PCs, and there's, like, the one woman character. Uh-huh, yeah, just and, the one. Yeah, yeah, just the one, and everyone expects you to play that one. Yeah, right. And, like, they, like, oh, man, yeah. if you reach for any other character, you right. get dirty looks. So uh-huh, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna here, a woman here I, I got a woman character for you. Here you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then it's like, well, if you play that one, I have to play the woman character. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You might learn something. <laughs> Amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah. but it's almost yeah. not worth it, because then they do the whole, like, Oh my God. They, they try and, yeah, they roll, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they just start wallowing yeah. in, like, all the tropes of yeah. women, and you're just like, I, uh, yeah. I can't like, uh, <laughs> If there are any unenlightened, um, uh, awkward, cishet male boys out there who are, um, you know, who are tempted to do so, don't play a slut if you get the woman character. Just don't do it. It's not pretty it's not funny it's nobody not is gonna like it it's yeah. not empowering you know um you know it, it's just just don't do it just just <laughs> remember me saying this to you yeah. don't yeah. stop that urge before it happens yeah. and like <laughs> clarifying like women can totally be as slutty yeah. as they want absolutely yeah, yeah. go you enjoy yeah. it uh men playing women being slutty, being yeah, slutty is different. Yeah, yeah. And it's just different. Yes. Yeah. There's a DS9 uh, uh, episode about that, too. And it does not hold up, just FYI. Oh, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> but a couple of them don't. Uh, yeah, a couple of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I see what they were going for yeah. in the 90s. Ooh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm doing my uh, every other year uh, DS9 rewatch uh, right now. And so I'm still, I'm just starting first season. So, and, and I, it's interesting because it's a whole new uh, like I don't know it's just been uh, I actually skipped a couple of years ago so mm. it's been about four years since I've watched them uh. and now we've had like Strange New Worlds and other things and, and so I'm uh, I'm seeing things in a very different light uh, but it's interesting how many uh, how what has held up has really surprised me oh, um, that's cool. so yeah there's some there's some really cool things in it but nice. yeah but, yeah um, I really really loved DS9 yeah. I don't know like that was only I guess two years yeah. ago that I watched it but. oh yeah yeah <laughs> So I I still uh, I still maintained it. It holds up better than most of them. It, but it's definitely got its '90s traps, yeah. and especially with gender roles, uh, you know, and um, and uh, sexism and mm-hmm. homophobia and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the oh, one of the things. Last thing mm-hmm. I say about this is so. Um, uh, one of the sort of horrors that I've had as a queer gamer has mm-hmm. been, um, you know, a couple of different times in my life. Uh, people from a regular gaming group have said, like, Adam, why don't you try playing a straight character once in a while? And, you know, and I've, I've literally <laughs> had people say that to me. And I'm like, you know, and, and at the time I was like, yeah, I should, like, branch out. And, you know, but 
what I would say to them now is, okay, as soon as you get all the straight players to play a gay character. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, I don't even get NPCs to flirt with in mm-hmm. your games. And, yeah. you know, so, uh, you know, so, uh, so I, I would say the same thing on a lot of these social issues. If you have somebody in your group that is affected by these social issues, you need to, you need to really listen to them. And, uh, you know, before you go charging in thinking you're, you know, you're here to help them expand their horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and especially like if you, if you have women in your group, maybe spend some time listening to them. Mm-hmm. So, because they'll probably, they'll probably have plenty to tell you about <laughs> how this can go poorly. <laughs> yes. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, great question. I I really like that. Yeah. It could go on for, you know, several more days. And something that's that. really common, especially in, like, yeah. fantasy. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. so relevant. And, and also, okay, just one last thing. You know who I am. Uh, I, I would also just applaud those who do consider this and think about this. Like, this is what you should be doing is, uh, well, in my opinion. Uh, like, look at your assumptions and see if you can use gaming to expand your horizons, yeah. change your worldview, you know, improve your character. Like, that's that's a great goal. Just, um, you know, just uh, do it. Flip it on its head. Flip it on its head. Do it yeah. the other way. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Mailbag right. number two. Listener's log. Stardate 100472.13. I received a distress call sent by Captain Kimmy of the USS Happy Jacks asking for emails. It echoed several times across my Spotify and YouTube subspace channels. I'm reminded of the rules of acquisition 208. Sometimes the only thing more dangerous than a question is an answer. (laughs) Nevertheless, when Captain Kimmy calls, we must answer. One might go so far as to say resistance is futile. So let's carry on with the mission to explore strange new RPGs, to seek out new players and new games, and to boldly go where no person has gone before and see if teacher mode Kimmy is bothered by split inflatives. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Split infinitive, sorry. Didn't enunciate very well. I I will allow it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That was good enough. That was so good. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, Kimmy, crew, and jackers around the Alpha Quadrant. Forgive me, but sometimes you just need to get a bit of geekery out of your system. Yep. I thought a bit of tre- a bit of trek might help the recent Tolkien wave break the recent Tolkien wave. There's been a lot of it. I'm sorry, yeah. that's all on me. Oh yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Although I do love some Middle Earth goodness. A chat in Discord's tabletop RPG channel motivates today's email. Depending on when this gets read, these Discord posts started on November fifteenth. We actually have enough emails to have, like, a few weeks of a little bit of oh, freedom yay. space. It's yeah. very exciting now. <laughs> Keep them coming. Keep them. Yes. Uh, Toby asked for video suggestions and on learning to be a GM, which kicked off high engagement videos and larger ideas about preparing new GMs. While the main topic was about how to be a GM, I st- it started spinning my warp drive, sorry, wheels, on the concept of a universal way to learn to be a GM. Since this show does an amazing job getting GMs old and new, I thought this topic was perfect for you. I'm skeptical that a universal way to learn to be a GM exists. Maybe universal isn't a great term here, so maybe you can help me work on that too. Here's what I've got so far. Uh, uh, On one hand, there are probably many things that can help prep and train new GMs, and these things can likely transfer across different games uh, and types of different players. Much of this advice show does exactly that. Thus, we can have a collection of reading materials, videos, podcasts, and the like, which offer guidance on how to be a GM. Heck, there's even a YouTube channel and a Discord community called 
how to be a great, great <laughs> GM. Tangent, guy who runs this channel has some interesting content, but your mileage may vary. If we follow this wormhole uh, pathway, uh, we will need to get... Uh, uh, all we need to do is digest this content, and we'd have a good GM foundation to put into practice. This sounds like the original intent of the Discord post. Of course, to be universally applicable for all GMs, I think it would have to be uh, largely game, system, and player, and group agnostic. On the other hand, I think the increasing... Uh, agnosticism doesn't translate well to teaching or mentoring new GMs broadly. GMs are also gamers with their own idiosyncrasies and preferences that can hinder such uh, translational GMing ac uh, across games and tables. Also, the vast range of games we could GM mean that we'd have to learn how to engage with those systems and game types, and that learning processes could look different, especially across our personal differences. Even, <coughs> even having... Uh, terms like trad, OSR, narrative or storytelling imply non-trivial differences in cultures of play for GMs to learn about and consider. One GM might transition seamlessly running masks at a convention to a role-playing event for pa a Pathfinder campaign. Well, not so much for another GM because of the individual preferences and not for lack of any how-to GM uh, materials. Some, some of this could be distilled to the GMs learning enough about a game to see if it resonates with them and want to run it as well as jumping on the holodeck, whoops, I mean, deep end, loving this, and trying it out. But I think that gets ahead of ourselves, and we're thinking of broad, universal training for new GMs. We could also say that GMs could be informed by being a player first, which is likely to happen in many cases. Yet, we could still have a group of people entirely new to RPGs where one of them volunteers to GM and could use those resources. So, after all that rambling, what are your thoughts on ways to create a how-to GM guide or repository of guides? Could it really be done in a universal way? Or is there enough tension from things like individual GM preference and game difference to confound it all? Or are we doomed to create catalogs of guides from the general basics to specific topics and cross-reference by game types related tags? Perhaps Scotty has some applicable wisdom in Star Trek III. The more they overthink the plumbing, the easier it is to stop up the drain. Here, doctor. From <laughs> one surgeon to another. <laughs> may your dice, uh, may your dice every stork, because that's how the best memories are made. Sean from just outside Washington D.C. Are you Jedi in the Discord? P.S. Lightning rounds. What is one fantasy or sci-fi franchise that you'd love to be created or rebooted that hasn't yet been created or rebooted? Oh, uh, um, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Oh, yeah. I would love to see an updated version of that. Yeah, I hear there's like a lot of like, uh, like, like Easter eggs about that in the D&D movie that's coming out. Oh, really? Oh, fine, but I don't cool. know yeah. 100% for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you love what to be created you? or rebooted? Yeah. Um, I am, I've been on a Babylon 5. Mm, like, I just mm -hmm. love it since I watched it. Um, also, when I was preparing to write Starscape, yeah, and I would love to see an idea like that done, like in a modern way, yeah. Like it's just such an interesting concept, like this one, you know, like a similar setting to DS Nine, yeah. but in a much, a much different way, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, I just loved the vibe of that show, and it, yeah. it was just, it was great. I, I'd like to see how it evolves on its own without, uh, without competing in that world with DS Nine. Yeah. Which kind of overshadowed it in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Including for me. I didn't give it enough of a chance. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. the first season is definitely yeah. rough, and then, yeah, yeah. but it, it, it's very cool. Uh, yeah. PPS, 
What is one fantasy or sci-fi franchise that should be canceled if currently running or stay dead if it's already run? Um, <laughs> All Game of Thrones stuff. All Game of Thrones stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know there's a huge fan base for it out there, but I just... Don't get me wrong. I'm going to read that next book, and I'm probably going to read through all the books that came before, just like I do every time one comes out, except that that it will probably never come out. Um, But... (laughs) But the the TV shows, no, they 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 have ruined that. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ugh. And a casting agent wants you to play a background character in a fantasy or sci-fi sci-fi TV episode that will be highly visible, but with no talking lines. Is it a fantasy or sci-fi show? And what type of background character are you? I'm an elf. <laughs> yep. That's say <laughs> Lord of the Rings show, yeah. and uh, I'm an elf. That's that's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, it, mine mine would be a toss up. I would either like to be a Tagruta Jedi uh, in a Star Wars show. Oh, that would uh, be good. Yeah, right. Yeah, and or, or uh, the other one, Kai Hubuck mm. on Deep Space Nine rebooted. Yeah, like, that would be amazing. I would like to be the Kai. Yeah, I you could kill me off. I can be the you know the Kai that's about to die for the real actor to come in. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. But please give me my Bajoran robes and nose. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I would love to be like an Amazonian warrior. Oh, yeah. In the background yeah. of like right. a good Wonder Woman A good show. one, yeah. yeah. Or, or any, any you know, right. like fable or version of the yeah. Amazons. It's just badass always. Yeah. So yeah. anything yeah. like that would be super cool. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would also accept an X-Man. Just, just somebody in yeah. Xavier's school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, that's a fun question. When I was uh, getting my my master's degree, like one of the th- things we had to do was we had to come up with um, like a, a, a pamphlet for our mm. like school. We had to like come up with a we did a big huge project where we like planned a school because it was in you know a, a policy and administration for schools. And we had to come up with our school. We had to ha- like come up with a population and like show how we were like communicating with all the family all these it was very interesting mm-hmm. but one of the things we had to do was make a brochure so like low-key like i i did my whole thing and it and the whole time it was you know uh school for gifted young youngsters oh yeah it was it was all x-men but it was right. just like nobody like knew it so i did all <laughs> these presentations and it was like the last like the end of my last presentation and i just i'd finished and we were leaving class and like this guy like walked up to me who like we'd never talked like ever yeah. he's like X-Men are super cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah, they are. And we kind of like fist bumped and then we just right, never yeah. spoke again. <laughs> it was like the last class. Right, but yeah. like all the whole, like, it was like a two-year course. Yeah. It was like yeah. so long. But um, <laughs> like, like very all, groovy mutation. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole, the whole time, like I'd just been yeah. doing all this X-Men stuff. Like it, it, it was real work, but my, yeah. And like it, like I thought nobody had noticed. Uh, and like my yeah. teachers sure as heck didn't. Yeah. Just, oh, that's amazing! Wow. wow. <laughs> I the big X logo it was like so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, but you know that one person probably still tells the story. Probably. Of, <laughs> uh, uh, this this one person in my in my class like did a whole Xavier <laughs> School presentation and nobody got it except the two of us. Yeah, yeah. it's very funny. Yeah. But uh, I, I I won't uh, name the property, but I was wearing a, a uh, yellow and, and charcoal striped scarf mm-hmm. uh, after a, a movie had come out. Yeah. And I was walking through the airport and uh, and there was this one like uh, young woman who uh, just like I was just passing by and she just looks at me and she goes, love your scarf. 
and with this like meeting of the eyes that we knew and it was like I feel like we're the only wizards in the entire airport and we just know we just noted each other yeah like we now yeah, yeah. but uh yeah anyway um okay Woo. uh tangents okay yeah so um okay so universal GM training I yeah I think this is a hard one it would be a hard one to do um but I think they're they're like core skills that are that I think are identifiable and you know and uh, all of them to different uh, degree. Like you know, it's um, it's kind of like they're they're like a, a bunch of core skills, and if you're weak in some of them, you can make up for it by being skilled in the others. Mm-hmm. And you know, and most of them, I think, are trainable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or they're either trainable or they're unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, like funny voices or or just different voices. Like that's a great skill to have as a GM, and it's one of my favorite things to do as a GM, but mm-hmm. it's also completely unnecessary. And I've had fantastic stories with GMs who do not modulate their voice at all, it, yeah. it, you know? And uh, so, it, you know, but I think, you know, I think there are these core skills like uh, like listening to your players, understanding pacing and, uh, and uh, character and story arcs, um, you know, uh, and, um, you know, um, Finding the things that you find enjoyable so that you make sure you're having a good time as the GM. I think those are the kinds of things that are really important to do or to have. And, you know, everything else I think is kind of built on top of that stuff. Yeah. Like you can make up for not being really strong on the rules, especially if you have a a player with you who is really strong on the rules and can guide you through it and likes it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Like as someone who teaches kids things for a living. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, teach multiplication. Okay. I teach literally four or five different ways to do multiplication. Yeah. And different kids glom on to different ones that yeah. make sense. Like, you know, partial products, you know, or, you know, regular algorithm that we're all taught. Or mm-hmm. some people, like, like drawing it out, it's easier yeah. for them. Or So there's all these different ways that you can do these basic skills. Right. So if... And and that was that's one of the things we've discovered in education is mm-hmm. like it used to be drill and kill. You did the multiplication right. until yeah. you learned how to do it. And some people just never were able to learn to do it. Yeah. And it was just, oh, they're not smart enough. They're failures. Right. And what we've discovered is, no, there's just a lot of different ways the brain works. Yeah. And your version of multiplication might look differently than my multiplication, but we both get the same answer. Right. So it's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, division is a great example of this because... Um, I have a lot of students who come from Armenia and mm-hmm. uh, Russia and different um, countries in that area. And they, you know, the way they set up division is completely different hmm. than how we set up division in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I, I teach multiple ways. You know, I do partial quotient. We do long division. Yeah. We do area model. We do all these different ways of division here, too. That So it's like, you know, in my classroom at any one time... Everyone's doing division, and you look around, and there's like five different ways of getting of doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and every kid has their way of doing it, and they all get the same answer. Hopefully, usually, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, all all the methods get the same answer. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it can just, all be used properly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And whatever works best for your brain. So I feel like there is no one way to teach GMing because everybody starts yeah. from a different place too. Yeah. If you have someone like a Bria when she came on our show had never mm-hmm. really jammed before. Yeah. Like yeah. she'd played a little bit of D and D and never played anything else. Yeah. And 
you know, but she'd had years of like improv training mm -hmm. and performing, yeah. things like that. So she's starting with a very different place than someone who, you know, has read all of Tolkien's right. work and wants to run a Lord of the Rings game. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, and it's like, but they've never done any performing. Yeah. So there's just like everyone starts from a different place. So it's really hard to be like, these are the rules yeah. of GMing. Yeah. 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 So I feel like there's some like core tenets that you could probably teach people. Yeah. Um, but again, like there's going to be those people who remember all the rules really well. Right. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. So, mm. you know, running One Ring right now, which is very like rules heavy compared to many of the compared systems I've of run. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. that I've yeah. run it a bit, it's becoming much more lightweight. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I, this is super easy now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was really nervous about it at first, especially doing it streaming, because I don't have a great memory for rules. Yeah. So I have a million cheat sheets that are all, like, very clearly labeled and highlighted in different colors. Uh -huh. So I'm like, oh, combat, grab the red one. <laughs> oh, okay, they're journeying, grab the green one, you know. Yeah. So it's, like, all these different things, which makes sense in my head. Um, but if someone else sat down, it would be like, isn't it easier just to just learn the rules? <laughs> <laughs> not for me no like, well I know the rules so the minute I look down and I'm like oh okay yes I know exactly how this works yeah. I just need that little kick you know yeah. so yeah I I, yeah. I don't know I do a lot of I, I'm sure I know this rule and I'm pretty sure I'm doing it right but I just need to see to confirm <laughs> yeah you know like yeah okay I did know that yeah uh, yeah. I you know it's funny hearing you talk about math because I you know I grew up with the old school uh, you know and drill and kill <laughs> Yeah. And um, and what and when I started hearing about all the like, quote unquote, new math, uh, common core, you know, common core. Yeah. We ruined, common core. We ruined right. math, ruined math. And, and I'm like, really, what is what is it that everybody's so upset about common core? And and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I've always done in my head. Yeah. That that helped me internalize all of this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I memorized it. But uh, but the way I pictured it in my brain mm -hmm. was the same system as common core but yeah. i was i just had to translate that for myself and um and because i'm i'm a visual learner so i see it in my brain and um you know my dad and i always joke because my dad and i had very different ways of learning my dad was a a mechanical learner mm -hmm. and he he told the story about how when he got his first car he took the engine apart and put huh. it back together for yeah. memory yeah and and that sounds like one of those like up the hill both ways kind mm -hmm. of stories, but I actually believe it about my dad. Yeah. He was <laughs> he was just that very kind of like uh, probably borderline uh, autism spectrum, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, definitely had a lot of neurodivergence. Mm -hmm. And I believe he he really did just, like he would see things and he would just take them apart and he knew exactly how and why they all functioned. And, you know, and he's like, you know, when I learned, when I turned 16, he got me a, a 1963 Chevy Impala, mm -hmm. uh, what he called, quote, a good GM car that I can work on myself. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you don't know me, Dad. <laughs> you haven't learned nothing in 60 years. Um, and he started trying to teach me how to work on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he's like, okay, well, here's the carburetor and here's how you take it out. And I'm like, well, what does it do? Mm -hmm. Like, well, just just does it's carburetor <laughs> it, it just does what it's supposed to do and you just here's how you take it off i'm like no i need to know why yeah i have to learn how internal combustion works so that i can understand, <laughs> understand this car why, yeah. yeah and you know and he just never we could never connect on that but if i know the reason behind a fact mm -hmm. uh or the reason behind a, a system i absolutely can remember it very easily. But if somebody can't tell me why it works that way, I do not 
I, I can never internalize it. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very. Uh, I, I think you're right in that there is there's so much variety in how people are going to learn how to GM yeah. and and what they need to come up with that it's hard to get beyond some just really broad basic uh, tenets. Yeah, I think you could, and you you know they you even say it in the in the email. It's like. You know, I feel like there is probably a somewhat universal approach to learning to yeah. DM Dungeons and Dragons yeah. of a certain edition. Right. You know, things like that. It's like, here's how you make sure your encounter is balanced. Uh-huh, yeah. And some basic skills like that that you need to have. Um, but I also, but that that is not going to apply to something else. If you're playing right. Traveler, that might inform a little bit. Yeah. But it's a very different system. And if you're playing GURPS, it's going to be totally different. Yeah. Because GURPS is a totally different system, and all the right. math for them is totally different. So while you might take from learning to DM, okay, the encounter has to be somewhat balanced. Right. Or maybe if you're GMing style, yeah. doesn't believe in that <laughs> philosophy, maybe yeah. no. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, but like, you, so you can take like ideas yeah. from system to system like that. But yeah. the math you you do for one doesn't necessarily translate you know, right. to another one either. Yeah. yeah. So, and like, I feel like, um, like there, there's a lot of like systems that like you can do that a lot. Um, PBTA is one where there's mm-hmm. like a tra- very traditional set of MC um, like agendas yeah. and guidelines and things like that that every PBTA hack has and specifically lays out. Yeah. So once you learn what those mean, it's pretty easy to pick up another one. Yeah. Which is a cool design. I don't know if it was designed that way on purpose, but it was a kind of a good side effect of how it was designed. Yeah. yeah. And um, kind of the same thing. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, like once you learn how to run Dungeons and Dragons, you can pick up all their different spell jammers going to be the same way. And, you know, all the, the the Citadel, all these different things, you can grab them and run them right away because they use the same skills. Yeah. I would also argue that, uh, that Dungeons, if you learn how to, GM or play Dungeons and Dragons, you can also pretty easily pick up most uh, of the more traditional games like uh, like Pathfinder or uh, or even I would say something like uh, Savage Worlds, oh, yeah. which have some which just have uh, they build on a lot of the same structure, uh, you know, in, in terms of how you put things together and how you uh, how you structure a story and uh, you know things like the the character class concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have your character class and your species and your, you know, and these things combine to create your unique situation. Yeah. And combat has an initiative order and you, right. just, you go around the table and everybody yeah. does their thing and then you yeah. do the next thing. You roll and... attack, you roll damage, mm-hmm. you you know, you uh, you declare, a, you know, a response action. It, you know, those are some pretty common things that are, that go across a lot of different games like that. GURPS is another one, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, uh, but like. You know, and I I feel like the a lot of the PBTA games are kind of that same way. There's some there's some differences, and you've got to learn some new mechanics like strings and monster hearts or influence and and masks. But but ultimately, it's pretty much the same thing. You roll two d six, you add or subtract a number, and and the the range tells you what the general reaction to your action is going to be. Right. Right. And the, and a lot of that, like, Blades in the Dark. So yeah. there's, like, these, once you get the main one down, you right. can pick up and grab the other ones fairly mm. easily. Yeah. Um, but they all have a little bit different different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and it, while there are definitely specific things that transfer, 
they all also have things that are very unique to them. Yeah, yeah. And and I I think in a lot of ways it's goals. You know, what is the goal of the story? What what kind of story is this system designed to tell? And you know, I think where you really where I where I think GMs have a lot of problems switching systems is when they're trying to tell uh, a story in a system that is not designed for it. Yeah. You know, like if you try to do a dungeon crawl in, you know, with, uh, you know, with like Starscape, you know, it's wow. not going to go right. It's not going to go well. Yeah, it's going to be mean, weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it'll do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah, exactly. In the same way that like, yes, you could play like a modern day romance uh, drama in Dungeons and Dragons. But why Why? would you do that to yourself? Like, no. Um, But I think a lot of this comes from the fact that we, you know, gaming is still so very new as a hobby in a lot of ways. And there's still a lot that is undefined and unsystemized. And so I think people uh, people are looking for ways to systemize it, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, but but I don't think I I don't think you need that. Uh, I think you should. Uh, you can focus on those sort of core principles of of listening to each other, uh, you know, uh, sen- trying to get a sense of the pacing of the story and and guiding that together, mm-hmm. and uh, and treating each other fairly in terms of you know like the consistency of the rules, yeah. you know, so that people don't feel like. It's just arbitrary. Yeah, I do uh, think you did yeah. key onto an actual universal thing, though, uh-huh. like like thing that you can say to GMs. Uh, I think having a GM play enough, play or GM enough games yeah. that they learn what type of game they like to play. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really core universal truth for all GMs. Yeah, it's yeah. like figure out where your fun is, because yeah. then you're able to find games or run games that uh, that make that yeah. the experience yeah so i feel like a lot of uh you know and that and that's something that takes a while yeah the first time i sat down to a game it was like oh this is a game where you sit and you roll dice and you kill things this is how this <laughs> works right and now i run games and write games that aren't that at all right <laughs> oh sure yeah you could yeah okay yeah, you can shoot it doesn't matter yeah, that's not right. the important part how are you feeling right. how, where's the drama here like yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i think uh that would be a good universal place to start is like really reflect on, hey, yeah. there's all these systems that can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. What adventure do you want to have? Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and yeah. I think that would be a good crystallization of one good starting place for all GMs, all no matter what system they're running, no matter what their background is, yeah. whatever it is, like really like find out what story you want to tell or, 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 or create. Yeah. Because you're not just telling it, because right. that's not yeah, the jamming. Yeah. You know, to find out what store adventure you want to have. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And the next step is communicate that clearly to your players, yes. to the players. Because yes. if, you know, if you're not if you're not on the same page on that, you end up with some really unhappy people yeah. on all sides. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Right. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, Mailbag number three. I feel like I feel like this is going to be a good segue from that. So. Okay. Hey, Captain Kimmy and the crew of the Merry Ship Happy Jacks. It's Rose back at you again with another email. Woo-hoo. I, like a lot of the listening audience and a majority of the hosts, have collected too many RPG books, PDFs, yeah. and sundry materials over the years. Yeah. The problem is, people keep making cool games, and your girl only has so many hours in the day to play, run, or salivate over them. (laughs) 
So here's my question. What is your RPG white whale? What's the system that you've always looked at and gone, damn, I really want to run or play that, but never had the chance, either because of lack of a group or because the time investment to learn that particular system is just too high? My RPG White Whale will always be the Dresden Files RPG. Its source books wonderfully flesh out Jim Butcher's urban fantasy setting, and its mechanics make my eyes glaze over. (laughs) It's given me so many ideas for campaigns that I have just never, ever come close to actually running. Until next time, drink. Huzzah! Mm. Uh, Well, this one's going to... Since... uh... You invited me to this game very recently, and I had to turn it down for oh, time purposes. Yeah. Like Mage. Yeah. Mage is like my white whale. I've never played it. Yeah. I have a bunch of the books. Like, I love World of Darkness systems. I've played a bunch of, like, different uh, vampire ones, Masquerade, 5e, all that. And I've yeah. never gotten to play Mage. And I've always wanted to play Mage, especially since we had a cool mage in our big <laughs> campaign with Stu. Uh-huh. And I was always like, oh, there's a whole system with... Like all these cool mages, that's yeah. amazing, and I've never gotten to play. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and uh, honestly, the more you file the numbers off for me, the the more cool it is. <laughs> the concept behind the system is great, and I I love the World of Darkness system, and I, I um, it, it's it, it's about as crunchy as I like to get anymore. But mm-hmm. because but the crunch in World of Darkness makes sense to me. Yeah. it's just a lot of it's just unnecessary. <laughs> um, but I also you know I load up people uh you know with all kinds of boosts and stuff and, and free dots and things. And, you know, um, it, yeah, because I just find like white wolf as is, is great. If you, um, if you're going to be playing a long campaign, mm-hmm. but if you're keeping it short, like nobody has the patience to like get boosted up to where you really want to be. Yeah. So it's, I, yeah. it's made to be like long form. campaign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Mage Mage is a great win, and I I I've played it a few times and always really enjoyed it. Uh, I this is the first time I've run it, and I've actually really enjoyed running it, um, and uh, kind of found my stride in it. Um, it, but uh, but yeah, it but it takes a lot of hand waving, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but I also told the players like. I, I'm not in this for the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I, I have a cool setting idea that I think would be fun to play in yeah. and a, a very vague idea of a, a of a starter plot, a pilot plot. And, um, you know, and, and I'm like, I want to explore how you do your magic and what that looks like and how that influences your interactions with the world. I'm not concerned with, like, crunching the numbers on did you do it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, mage is, mage is a great one. I think it's a, uh, I think it's one that a lot of people would like to play, uh, mm-hmm. but it can, it's very dense if you're, if you don't know what to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and mine, it, mine funnily enough is also World of Darkness, but no. it's Changeling. Um, I've You've never only... been able to play it. Um... I've, I've only run it. And, and when I first ran it for my college group way back when it came out, I was like, okay, if I run it and everybody sees how cool it is, somebody will run it for me so I get <laughs> to play it finally. I've never been able to do that. So, <laughs> oh, no. yeah. So I would, I would love to play in a Changeling campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'd also really like to play in a werewolf campaign that was really serious. I've only been in campaigns with werewolves who were uh, when it was mixed with others, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or or I was, I was in like campaigns that ended up only being like one or two sessions and then fizzled and mm-hmm. things like that. That's hard. Yeah, um, but uh, and then there's uh, <laughs> um, so and then my my runner ups are uh, the Expanse RPG. 
Um, and yeah, and it's not, it doesn't seem to be all that great in terms of mechanics. Yeah, but, I was really excited yeah. and I have it. Yeah. But I yeah, was I, like, oh, this is yeah. going to be great. I'm so excited. I'm into yeah. these books and I love this show. And I, yeah. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, which really makes me sad. So. Yeah, there's some really cool things in it, but yeah. I, now I, I, I've i learned this because the One Ring, I read through it and I was like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, this makes this is wild. Yeah. This is crunchy. This is awful. Yeah. But like reading through it, it plays so much better than it reads. Right, yeah. yeah. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, these combats are going to be terrible. Right. <laughs> But then, like, doing the combats after, like, really looking at it and, and, and seeing it in action, it's a lot yeah. better. So maybe The Expanse plays a lot be. better than it read. Yeah, yeah. If but anybody it, out there has played it, uh, you know, please let I us I heard know. not yeah. so great things about yeah. it. But, again, like, I can't yeah. give specific citation yeah. to us what, playing it or trying it. Yeah. So. One of my favorite Happy Jacks moments was we did a one-shot of it. I think it was for one of the Rainbow Railroad oh, yeah, charities, yeah. and Jib ran it. And and Jib was, like, the only other person who could just, like, sort of improv uh, Belter speech. <laughs> and so he and I were just, like, having a whole conversation <laughs> in Belta. And uh, it was just like, ah, this is so cool. I want this all the time. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Um, and, and then the other one, my newest one, is Coyote and Crow, mm-hmm. yeah, which is beautiful. And it's just the most amazing setting. I'm just just so, so excited just reading through the setting materials. And I'm just like, oh, I want to play in this world so much. And, but I just feel like, I don't know that it, um, it, it well, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm concerned that a lot of my friends are going to feel too, like it's, it's too risky, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, cause so many of my friends are very conscientious about native stereotypes mm-hmm. uh, and um, not, not because they, you know, not just because I'm around, but because they're good people. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, but especially like, you know, the, I, I know for a fact that, you know, the fear of uh, exploring a game like this that is so centered very heavily on, um, you know, on a specific racial identity um, can feel very, like, very dangerous eggshells. Mm-hmm. Shells. And and so so I'm kind of worried that I'm never really going to find anybody who will, uh, you know, who will want to run it for <laughs> me. And I don't want to run it with strangers because I don't know if they're going to actually be cool or not. Yeah. So, Jason was yeah. actually interested in running that. He was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because they do that whole thing yeah. where they, they actually set up. And I know we've talked about this before. Like, if you are not indigenous. Yeah. This is how you run this game. Yeah. yeah. There's very specific laid out. It gives you very specific. Yes. Per, you have permission to run this game. Yes. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is a lot of it is um, is completely fictional. Yeah. Absolutely. So they, yeah. you know, they've come up with a, you know, a world where colonization didn't happen here. Yeah. And so it's like, this is all fictional. You can right. play in this part of it, because yeah. it, we have made all of this up. Yeah. If yeah. you are actually indigenous and you want to bring your own culture into it, you mm-hmm. can. That's great. Right. If you're not, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but feel free to play with all of this, you know, yeah. all these toys we gave you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, 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 I think that was a really great smart design choice. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it'd be similar to saying, like, like, hey, it's one thing to play a Wakandan mm-hmm. character if you're, you know, if you're not black, but it's a whole different thing. 
thing to like try and play a Ghanaian character or, you know, or an Egyptian character or, uh, you know, or a Congolese character. That's a very different thing. And you maybe kind of want to like not do no. that, you know. Maybe no. Yeah, right. So <laughs> Just um, not even maybe, just no. <laughs> exactly. Just no. You know, in, in this, and that's very much in the same vein as like if you're a man playing a female character, don't play a slutty character. It's, yeah. You're not doing what you think think you're doing even if you have the best of intentions <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. but um All yeah right. so there's a oh, I Those was are just, whales. Yeah, oh yeah i was just going to shout out the ones that were listed in the chat oh, yeah. uh, somebody said numenera mm -hmm. which uh which that's another one which like a beautiful and really cool story but i found it, it i it was interesting i got to play in a very short campaign of it. Oh. it it's it's interesting it's got a lot of layers in a really good setting uh but it's kind of very dense and very vague at the same time. It was, it was really weird. Mm -hmm. um, not to knock it or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And then uh, somebody also mentioned Under Hollow Hills. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a PBTA game where you play members of a Fae Circus, oh. which is, uh, I've also heard really cool things about and haven't been able to play yet. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it. Um, thank you for joining us for Season 31, Episode 8 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Adam. And thank you again uh, for... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Got <laughs> distracted. Uh, please visit monkeyspawgames.com and support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Nura Rose, and all her fantastic games. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. As a Patreon, you also get um, free games every month from our Indie Designer of the Month. And today, we are going to leave you with a song. Um, we are going to leave you with the Gloucestershire Wassail, or Wassail for us in America. <laughs> wassail is what they say, and over the pond, as oh, really? it were. Yes. Oh. Um, so they pronounce it differently. Um, <laughs> everyone pronounces right. Gloucestershire the same way, yeah. even though it's like Gloucestershire. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, Gloucestershire. <laughs> yes. So in the, the holiday spirit, we're leaving you with a version of the Gloucestershire Wassail, um, sung by the Merry Wives of Windsor. If you listen very closely, I'm in there. Um, and it's uh, it's one of my favorite favorite Christmas songs. It's very fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So thank you all, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Right. Bye. <laughs> Oh,
hope that your soul in heaven may rest. But if you do draw supple of the small, then down shall go butler, bowl and all. show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. <laughs>